Alright, church. Oh God, you are good. Your word is good. Lord, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for hearing my prayer, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving me greater understanding, providing me peace. Lord, thank you, God, for just hearing my prayer, Lord. And I pray that on today, God, you hear the prayers of my brothers and sisters that are being uttered up right now, Lord God, as they think about you. Lord, minister to your people through your word. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our church, let me give you a uh, speak to this. So, a little background here on what we're going to talk about today. Um, this week, studying scripture like regular, um, preparing for today. And yesterday, um, got up and just hours just in prayer, meditation, studying scripture, working on this, starting actually to type, and I pretty much finished yesterday, um, probably around 11.30, but I just felt this unease, um, even when we, were at, we were at Ikea yesterday, I just had no peace in me, because I'm just thinking about the word, like what's going to be said, and just had no peace, and I'm like, God, I feel like you're not done speaking here yet. Like, it's something I'm missing. And so, um, just feeling anxious, just bothered, because I just want to, I just feel like God's not speaking. Like, it's too much of me here. And, and so, um said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll wake up early like I normally do and, and just work on my edits and go forward. And so, as I'm doing that this morning, um, the Lord began to just really show me other things in this one verse, verse 16 of Ephesians 4, and basically gutted my whole sermon. So my whole sermon that I had prepared and spent hours to, to do and type, all those pages are at home on my computer. Um, and I'm speaking on the words that the Lord showed me this morning. And um, same verse, but just a different paradigm. And so today we'll be looking at Ephesians 4, verse 16. In my sermon that I had prepared, I actually got all the way down to 17. So we were making, we were moving. But on today, it'll be just verse 16, a little bit part of, a little bit part of 15, but verse 16. And we'll be looking at as a topic, the marks of a healthy church. And since it's not that much, my goal is to go through these couple of marks and then at the end we pray as a church over these things. So that's that's the goal today. So not to be too long, but to look at these marks, I go into too much depth, and then we'll go and pray over these these marks. Pray for ourselves, pray for us as a local church. So we'll be looking at Ephesians four, sixteen. Um so let's read the word of God. I'll start in verse 14 and in verse 16. The word of God says, start in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 4. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, 
by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, by speaking, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, verse 16, key verse, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Amen. So, church, I believe that today, or in verse 16, that Paul gives us the marks for a healthy church. All in with a little bit part of coming in 15. And so, in verse 16, what you find here with Paul, Paul is really digging deep down into this body analogy that he's been using right in the beginning of chapter four. He really begins to dig down here in verse 16 into this body analogy um, to where he's even going down in verse 16. He goes down to the ligaments. So when you see in verse 16 where he says by what every joint supplies in the Greek, that's talking about the ligaments and the joints. So Paul is going so much into this body analogy of the church being a body. He goes down to the ligaments to show us how what a healthy body looks like and what will be the outcome when all the parts of this body are working together. And he shows us that the outcome of all the parts working together, all of the ligaments doing their function, the outcome will be, he tells us in the B portion of verse 16, is growth of the body. That is the outcome, growth of the body and the body building itself up in love. And so that's what he's showing us here with this analogy of the body, that when you have this healthy body where all the parts are working together, where the ligaments are together, where, where everything is working like a well-oiled machine, then the church will grow spiritually, grow more to Christ. And as a result of them growing, this church will begin to, or the church of God will begin to build each other up or to build itself up in love. And so here in verse 16, the marks of a healthy church that, that I've come to see that have been identified in here are, are this. So you know, we'll go through them. A healthy church is one where Christ is at the head. A healthy church is one where Christ is at the head. Not the pastor, not the elders, not the congregation, not the trustees, but Christ and Christ and his word have the final say. So that's a mark of a healthy church where Christ is at the head. The next mark is a healthy church is one that recognizes its nearness to God and cherishes it more than any other thing. So see another mark of a healthy church. We'll see here in verse 16 that a healthy church is one that recognizes its nearness to God and cherishes it more than anything the next one, a healthy church is one where the individual members recognize their nearness to one another. So again, recognizing our nearness to one another, that's a healthy church. Then a healthy church is one where the members are interdependent upon one another and see their presence and gifting as important to the life and growth of the church. That's a healthy church when we see these happening with the body. And then finally, a healthy church is one where the individual members build up each other in love. That is another mark of a healthy church, one where the members begin to build up each other in love. So let's look at the first one here. The first one, the mark of a healthy church is Christ is the head of the church. Now, I, I know for us here in the 21st century, um, sitting here in Pastor Brian's and Sister Debbie's living room, that you say, yes, of course, 
right? Christ is the head of the church. You say, thank you, right, Captain Obvious, for pointing out this groundbreaking truth, right, that, that Christ is the head of the church. And yes, that's easy for us to say, but you must understand that in this first century context, this nascent young church, this was not as obvious as you may, may think. Um, many scholars believe that this letter to the Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians were written around the same time, that Paul wrote both letters around the same time. And if you look at the end of both books, you'll find that there's one person that they really have in common. It's, it's Tychicus. Tychicus is the one who's actually carrying the letter of Ephesians to the Ephesians, and he's also carrying the letter of Colossians to the Colossians. So in, the, um, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says this. He says, as to my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant, will bring you uh, information. And then in Ephesians 6, 21, he writes this. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. So we see that Tychicus, he is the one who is carrying the letter to the Ephesians. He is the one who is carrying the letter to the Colossians. He is the one that is letting the church know that Paul is doing well. Because remember, Paul is writing this letter, Ephesians and, and uh, Colossians. He's writing this while he is locked down, while he is locked up in jail. And so Tychicus is the brother that's going around to the churches and letting everybody know how Paul is doing. And he's also delivering the letters from Paul. So many scholars believe that Tychicus is carrying both the letter to the Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians with him as he's making his round. So he has both letters with him. Why is this important? It's important because in the letter to the Colossians, Paul was addressing, and I know I've mentioned this multiple times, but it's still, it's very important. In the letter to the Colossians, Paul is addressing, remember, the heresy that is circulating in the church there where they're trying to remove Christ as the head of the church. They're trying to take him from being the head of the church. And so in addressing these heretics, Paul says in Colossians 2.19 that they are not holding fast to the head, those who are trying to remove Christ from the body. He said that they are not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grow with a growth which is from God. So in other words, Paul is saying that without the head, without Christ, the body can't grow, the body can't live. He's saying that no head, the body is dead. That's, that's, the, that's the message that Paul has in the, to the Colossians, to those heretics who are trying to remove Christ from the head of the church. And see, in our, in our American society, society, and going forward, church, I realize that I'm going to start saying American society because I realize I'm overgeneralizing when I say society. Because we have things that's happening in America that's not happening in, in Sudan or it's not happening in Mexico or that's not happening in Japan. And sometimes I overgeneralize. So I'm going to speak more to our American society. So that's the society that I know. But in our American society, there are many people who are not Christians that love Jesus, right? They love Jesus and they, well, I mean, not love Jesus. They love Jesus' teaching, correction. There are many people in our society that love Jesus' teaching. They love Jesus talking about caring for the poor. They, they love the Jesus that's talking about loving neighbor. They, they love the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching that Jesus gives there. But the problem is this, church. The problem is that you cannot really live out the teachings of Jesus without actually being connected to Jesus. You, you can't do that in your flesh. See, that you, you need Jesus to actually live out the teachings of Jesus. Because if you don't, it's going to be really impossible. We've done it before. Go ahead and try to live out the Christian life in your natural flesh. 
Go ahead and try to live out the Christian life and the teachings of Jesus in your natural human abilities. You can't do it. You won't get that far. And many of us have really struggled in our, in our Christian walk where we try to live out the Christian faith without actually being connected to the head, where we try to just keep some rules and, and a set of do's and don'ts. And we realize I'm just white knuckling it and just holding on for dear life, trying to do it in my flesh. Why? Because I'm not holding and cherishing the head. So you, you can't live this Christian life without being connected to the head. Think about what's written in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the meek, right? He says, blessed are the merciful. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. And in that same sermon, he goes on to say that if somebody slaps you, you ought to turn the other cheek. And then he goes on to say that if, if you are forced, if you are forced to go one mile, go two. And then he says in that same sermon that you ought to love and pray for your enemies. Go ahead and see if you can do that with your natural abilities. You can't. You can't do that unless you are connected to the head. You can't do any of that properly without being connected to Jesus. This is John 15 that I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. So Paul here in Ephesians 4.16, he's pointing out that Christ is the head from which this body is fitted and held together. Papers out of order. There we go. Okay. So he's saying again in Ephesians 4 16 that, that Christ, he is the head of again, that this is of this body that is fitted and held together. He's saying that this body, the church, Christians as a collective, has its origin and is ruled by Christ. And without Christ, as the body with no head can do nothing, it can't grow, it can't function. It can't produce. It can do nothing outside of its head. And you, my brother and sister, you, Christian, you can do nothing without Christ. So Christ is the reason why Christians as a collective body and individually exist and can function. And guess what? We live in a world where they are constantly trying to replace this head, just like they were trying to do in Colossians. We live in a world where they're constantly trying to replace Christ and hollow out his words and replace him with some other new popular opinion. But no, Christian, we must never forget who the head is. We must never forget who we receive our marching orders from. We must never forget that our marching orders of how we ought to live and who we ought to worship does not come from social media or our political or presidential candidates or the government itself or our news networks. But no, we get them from Christ. He is our head. He is the head of the church. So one of the essential function of a healthy church is having Christ as the head because he's the one who has fitted and held the body together, as Paul tells us in Colossians 4.16. So that's one of the first healthy measures of a church. The next healthy measure, uh, the, the next healthy mark of a church or a healthy church, the next mark of a healthy church is a church that recognizes its nearness to God. So the next mark of a healthy church is one that recognizes its nearness to God. Now, what I mean by this is let's let's take a step back. Let's take a step back and think about the words that are being used in Ephesians verse 16 to describe the church's relationship to Christ. What we find in Ephesians 4:16 is that Christ is the head, and what are we called? 
we're called the body of Christ. Christ is the head and the church. We are called the body of Christ. Think about that. You can't get more intimate than a head is to a body. That is the most intimate that you can get. Think about that. There is no more greater intimacy, if you think about it, than a head connected with a body. Guess what? A husband and wife. Yes, there is a closeness there. There is a closeness that we find in a, in a husband and, and wife relationship. Yes, there is a closeness that we find with, with parents and children. Yes, those are all things that describe a oneness. But when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to unity, when it comes to oneness, there is no greater intimacy, you would say, than a head is to a body. And so the church, you from the scriptures is saying that you are so intimately connected with the divine that you are called God or Christ's body. That is a nearness. That is a nearness that we cannot just just brush over. Church, you are so connected to the divine that the scripture says that you are his body and he is the head. That, that is our closeness with God. That is a nearness with God. And so my my prayer is that we would get a deeper understanding of this truth. Oh, if we can just go and wrap our minds and our hearts around this. It would so change that we are so intimately connected with God that we would be called his body. See, Jesus did not just bring us close to God. He made us one with God to what we are now wrapped in the same body. That is an intimacy. That is a closeness that we must pray and ask God to help us go deeper in our understanding into. So that is the, the next mark of a healthy body that we can find in Ephesians 4, 6, is that the church is connected with God being the body, Christ being the head, you have to be connected. Um, as an example, do you remember Paul on the road to Damascus? Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 26, verse 14. Paul, before he became a Christian, if you remember Paul, he would persecute other Christians, right? That's what the scripture tells us, that Paul would persecute other Christians. He would throw other Christians in jail and he would... And, and the text says and the scripture says that uh, Paul would even cast his vote to condemn them to death. So Christians were dying literally at the hand of the Apostle Paul before he became a Christian. And Paul was just so about killing other Christians that he was he was going to Damascus to go find other Christians in the synagogues there so he can bring them back bound in chains to take them before Jerusalem so that they can be sentenced to death and or put in jail. That's how serious Christ was about condemning Christians. But as Paul was walking on his way to Damascus, being a Christian bounty hunter, if you will, what happens? The Lord sends this blinding light to Paul and it, it knocks Paul to the ground. And then the Lord Jesus began to speak to Paul. And the Lord Jesus says this to Paul in Acts 26, 14. He says this, these, this one question he asked Paul. He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? This is what the Lord tells Paul as Paul is on his way to the Damascus Road to go and persecute and, and take down other Christians. Christ says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Remember, Jesus had already gone to glory at this point in time. I just love this. Christ had already ascended to the throne. He's already at the right hand of the Father. 
He's already reigning, but he's telling Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus was not there for Paul to persecute. But what is happening? Paul is persecuting who? His body. He's persecuting other Christians. And Jesus said, by you persecuting other Christians, you are persecuting me. Do you see the connection that Christ is showing with his church? That what you do to the church, you are doing to me. We are seeing a oneness of, of Christ with his church. That when you touch the church, you are touching me, Jesus. And so that's what Paul is, or Jesus is showing Paul. What you do to the body. You actually, you're doing that to me. Because I'm, I'm that close. I'm that intimate with my body, with the church, with the saints. That's a nearness. That is a, a nearness that we must ask God to help us go deeper in. That we are so near to Christ that we would be his body. Now, what people do to us is that's if they are doing to Christ. That's a nearness that we must ask God to grab a hold of. So that's a mark of a healthy church. It's this nearness, this body, this head and body. The next mark of a healthy church is, we, we find in 16, is that a healthy church recognizes its nearness to, um, the members recognize their nearness to one another. Now think about this. Since Christ is God and the head of the body, right? Christ is God and he's the head of the body. He determines who will be a part of the body, right? Christ is the head of the body. He's God in the flesh. He determines who will be a part of his body. That only makes sense. So he determines what role they're going to play. He determines what location they're going to be in. Christ determines who's going to be an arm, right? Christ determines who's going to be a leg. Christ determines who's going to be an elbow. Christ determines who's going to be a foot. And here's the thing about Christ's selection. Christ doesn't look at things like we do, right? He doesn't see how, how man sees. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, the scripture says this, that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame those things which are strong. So again, God doesn't look at things how we look at them when he's choosing who's going to be a part and who's going to play the role in his body. You see that just on how Jesus starts off his earthly ministry. When Jesus starts off his earthly ministry, he doesn't go to the temple and go and get the brightest and smartest minds. He doesn't go and get the experts in the law. That's not what he does. He doesn't look at things like man does. But what does he do? He goes and he gets fishermen. He goes and he gets fishermen and says that you are going to be an essential organ in my body. And then after that, he goes and he chooses prostitutes and he chooses tax collectors and he chooses murderers all to fulfill these roles in his body. And then he takes on ex-gang members and he takes on criminals, criminals and liars and thieves and, and he gives them a place in his body. And he goes and gets people from all different cultures and ethnicities and, and he makes them a part of his body. That's what Jesus does. He gets all these different people from different locations and they, he makes them all a part of his body. They all play a particular role. But then he does something really unique in gathering all these different people. He brings them really, really close together. He doesn't just go and grab different people from different ethnicities, different cultures, different backgrounds, but he grabs them and he squeezes them really, really tight together. See, in verse 16, um, Paul says in verse 16 that this whole body has been fitted and held together. This, this Greek word fitted, which is really long, and I'm not even going to try to chop it up and pronounce it, but it, 
it, it means to be snug or, or it means to be compact. If you were laying bricks, right? It's like you're putting one brick on top of another brick right next to the, the, the next br brick. So this means that you and I, guess what? We are really closer than we could ever really imagine. Why? Because Christ designed it that way. He has fitted and held us together. So again, my, my prayer then is that God will help us to see how close we really are. See, you, you have no idea how close we really are. Christ has fitted us. He has squeezed us together as one in his body, which tells us that we are really much closer than you think. And yes, we see the winds of the world trying to separate us by different cultures and race and ethnicities and political parties. But no, Jesus has squeezed us together. Church, you and I are much closer than we can imagine. And that should be the prayer of our heart that God help us to understand our nearness, help us to understand how we are so fitted and held tightly together as a unit, as a, as a unit, as a body of Christ. We are really close. And that is my prayer that we would understand how close we really are. An example of, of closeness that you see in the body is what I read to you today in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 about the Macedonians. Remember Paul, as I mentioned earlier, Paul, is he's collecting money for these saints who are on hard times in Jerusalem. And he's, remember, he's talking to the Corinthians, trying to motivate them to give. And he gives them the example of the Macedonians and how the Macedonians were basically, the scripture says that they were begging Paul, begging Paul, even though they're broke, even though they're in poverty, even though they just became these Christians, they're living in court, they, they have nothing, but yet they're, they are begging Paul, the scripture says, to support or provide relief to the saints in Jerusalem. See, they've seen the nearness. They've they seen the nearness that if my brother is hurting over there and my brother is in need, then, then I must go and meet that need. Then I am hurting. See, they see the nearness that we are in this body of Christ that they said, even though I don't have anything, whatever I have, I just want to give Paul. Please just, just let me give Paul. Just, just let us participate in this in the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. See, they see the nearness that we are to one another. And that is my prayer that you will see the nearness that we are. We are so close. Christ has knitted us together. Knitted us together. Another example of the closest that we see in the body of Christ is the church at Philippi. I'm sure Pastor Brian will hit on this, but in, in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 26, um, when the uh, when the, the Philippians hear that their brother in Christ, Epoditus, got is, is sick, the scripture says that when they found out, this is Philippians chapter 2, verse 26, he says that when they found out they were distressed. They found out that their brother was sick, Epoditus, and it says that they were distressed so much so that Paul sent Epoditus to the uh, Philippians so that they will see that he is well and so that they won't be all stressed out and worried about their brother who they heard that was sick. See, they had such a love for Epoditus. They had such a love for their brother that when they heard that he wasn't well, they were distressed. They were troubled. They didn't just go about their normal day, but they hear that my brother over here is sick and, and, and I don't like this. And so it was on their mind. It waited on them. Why? Because they understood the closest. They seen that this is my brother who I so love. And see, if some 
some of us in here, we have siblings and one of our siblings is sick and one of our siblings passes away. We are very sad. We are heartbroken. Well, it should be the same way for your brother or sister in Christ. It should be that same emotion, that same feeling or even greater because you are connected together by Jesus Christ. So there should be a feeling. There should be an emotion. Why? Because we have been brought near by Jesus. Jesus has knitted us so close together. See, this should be a prayer of ours that we understand this nearness. This body that Paul is describing, they understood the nearness. It's a nearness. They were fitted closely tight together. That is how Jesus formed it. That's how Jesus made it. That's how he formed this church. Remember, the scripture says here that he's the head from whom this whole body has been fitted and formed together. Christ made this body. He made the parts tight. Made it. And here, remember in 4.16, he's describing what a healthy body or a healthy church looks like. So it is a body that is really knitted close tight together, fitted, held together, even to the point where Paul says the ligaments are playing a role in keeping the body and, hold, the body and holding it together. So a healthy church we see here is one where they, we understand our nearness, how God made us here. Another mark of a healthy church, and we'll get almost to the end here. A healthy church is one where the members are interdependent upon one another and see their presence and gifting as important to the life and growth of the church. So we are so close as brothers and sisters. The scripture says that here that when we are all doing our part and operating within our function, that the body grows and builds itself up in love. That's where we find here in Philippians 4.16 where he says that by what every joint supports working of each individual part. It's saying that when every person in the body of Christ is operating within their gifting, operating within their calling, then guess what? We work and improve the growth of the church and we help the church to grow. If you recall a few weeks ago, I talked about how there are people in here who may have the gift of mercy and by you having the gift of mercy, you will help me see things about the mercy of God that I can't see just naturally on my own. And how it is so vital important that you speak and you share because you help me to grow in the mercy of God. Or if you're a giver, you help me to grow my understanding of giving. Or if you're a helper, you help me to grow my understanding of helping. Whatever is your function, whatever is your gift, you help the life of the church. You help the church to grow. The church, we are all interdependent upon one another. We all help one another grow. That's the mark of a healthy church. That is the mark of a healthy body, Paul's showing here. That when all the parts are working together, it produces growth in the body. It produces growth in the body where we begin all, where we all begin to look more like Jesus Christ. That is the growth. That is the aim. That is the target. That we grow more into our head. But we're all interdependent upon one another. We're all interdependent upon each person operating in their callings, operating their gifts and doing and using whatever God has given them. That's why we need everybody, a part of the body, working in this. You help make the church healthy. You help make the church grow. That's a mark of a healthy church where everybody's interdependent upon each other, recognizing their gift, their presence is important for the growth of the body. And then finally, a healthy church is one that builds itself up in love. A healthy church is one that is building itself up in love. This word building can be also spoken of as edifying. 
edifying and encouraging one another in love, encouraging one another to do as Paul says at the beginning of this chapter, to live a life worthy of our calling. That's part of the goal. That's, that's part of a healthy church. A healthy church is one where each member, each part of the body is doing their role, but also building up the other party, building up the other person in love because they love them as the uh, Macedonians love the saints in Jerusalem or they love them as the Philippians love Ephrodite. It is a love there. That is how we ought to build one another up in love, in the spirit of love. These are marks of a healthy body. These are marks of a healthy church we see here in the scriptures. So church, that is it for today. Now I want us to use the rest of our time for prayer. For prayer because we are a church and we want to be a healthy church. And so I would love for us to spend the rest of our time praying about asking the Lord to um, Help us be a healthy church in recognizing that Christ is the head of this church. He's the head of our life. He's the head of our homes. So we want to pray that that stays the case always. We've seen it was starting to slip away potentially with the church in Colossians. Let's pray about uh, the church and the members of the body recognizing our nearness to God. Christ is the head. We are the body recognizing what that really means. If that is one, if you can really grab a hold of how you are so intimately connected to God that you are the body, he is the head, if you're a part of his body, that will do miraculous things for you. So praying that we all come to that deeper understanding of our nearness to God, then we'll pray that the church, that we recognize our nearness, our closest to one another because of Jesus. We are one, we are in the same body, we have different functions, but we are in the same unit. Christ has knitted us close together, fitted us snug and tight. Uh, let's pray about the different gifts and uh, abilities that God has given us that we all need for the growth of this church, how we're all interdependent upon one another. And let's pray that we understand what God is, how God has shaped us and molded us and how we can use that for the growth of his body to continue to be a healthy church in that way. And then finally, we'll pray that as a church, we will build each other up in love. We will not knock one another down, but we will encourage and edify and build each other up in love because these are signs of a healthy body or a healthy church.